Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 327. My name is Brando. Coming up momentarily, a very short but very sweet interview with actress Gina Gershon. Yeah, she's making the rounds doing those radio tours that I've spoken about in past episodes where we get some brief time. She's promoting a new movie. I watched it very funny, Rifkin's Festival. And of course, we'll get to talk to her about her Guns N' Roses ties. But stick around, because after that, we're going to bring back a fan obsession. Fan. It's a fan obsession where we talk to you, the Guns N' Roses fan, and because you have great stories. We're going to meet Wayne Roberts, and we're going to talk about GNR and radio, and it's going to be a fun time. But first, again, short but sweet, the lovely Gina Gershon. Gina, it's an honor to speak with you today, really. Thank you. I love Appetite for Distraction. Is that kind of a take on the Guns N' Roses? It is. And you know what? Maybe I'll come up with a segment, Appetite for Distraction, because it's Appetite for Distortion, but you can call it whatever you want. That's fine, oh, Gina. Distortion. I didn't. I was like, Destruction. I was like, wait a second. Appetite for Distortion. Yes. Great. I like that. I like that. Uh, name. Thank you. And I'll ask you about your GNR tie after because I'm excited because I watched your new movie Rifkin's Festival yesterday. And uh-huh. I mean, when the main character, Sean Wallace, said, I'm a middle class Jew from from the Bronx and I'm a middle class Jew from Queens, I just felt like I'm, you know, almost personally attacked right there. I was watching my movie in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in Queens right now? Yeah, yeah. Up a storm there? right now it's currently i'm looking outside my window and yeah it's starting to come down a little bit and look at you have slash behind you i see a picture of slash speaking of appetite yeah destruction yeah and i know again we're gonna i know you played with him um believe can you believe i played with guns and roses i mean it's crazy you know if if you want because i want to talk about the movie first since we're no no, we should talk about the movie i'll I'll get you know we got to talk about the movie then we can talk about anything okay i mean because I only got you for seven minutes. I mean, I, anyone would be appreciated with seven minutes with Gina Gershon, but I got to make the best of my time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so what, if you can tell, since I, I mean, I watched it, but if you can tell my listeners what it's about, if uh, they haven't heard of it yet. In short, um, since this is the seven minute version, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really about a, a couple who've been together for quite some time. Me and uh, Mort and Sue, me and Wally. And it's really about um, a couple who love each other and he seems to be stuck where he is and she seems to keep wanting to grow and be inspired by other people. And, you know, they're growing apart, yet they love each other. They go to the San Sebastian Film Festival. He kind of falls in love with this Spanish woman and I kind of fall for my French director. And how do you deal with that? And all seen through the eyes of, you know, Mort's, vision of he loves old movies and we're at a film festival so you know he tells he fantasizes through scenes of Godard and Bergman and Fellini and Truffaut in you know a very Woody Allen-esque way I've never spoken better Swedish in my life I was quite pleased (laughs) (laughs) and I of course I meant Wallace uh Sean inconceivable I can't hear you oh I'm, I'm muted I'm muted wait wait I'm muted. Now I'm, un- I'm unmuted. Oh, now I can hear you. I'm unmuted. Yeah, sorry. I had to tell my fiance to get my the cat off the, the mixer while this was happening, so I had to mute myself. Oh, for- my God. My cat loved... My old cat, when I was uh, mixing my album a long time ago, 
and I was mixing it at Matt Sorum's place when they were doing Velvet Revolver. Okay. And Mike would go and I would record and he would change the whole board. And the next day they'd be like, who moved this board? And my cat insisted on being in the room when they were playing and he would change all, I think he was a producer in a past life. It was so funny. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't, oh, yeah. what I was saying, that I meant Wallace Shawn. Inconceivable, I, I messed that up. You know, of course, like reversing the names because he's such a legendary actor. And this was just a great cast. Um, but since you've been mentioning it, of course, like Appetite for Distortion, a chance. I mean, I could talk to you so many <laughs> about your your roles. You were brilliant in Curb. You were brilliant in Face Off. So many different things. But not everyone knows that you're a singer. And... You played essentially with Velvet Revolver, Guns N' Roses. You did something with them back in 2003, and I was actually just watching. It's online. You can watch it on in YouTube if people haven't seen it. Can you just talk a Wait, bit? Wait, you could watch. You not when I played with Guns N' Roses the first time. I wish. I mean, maybe that if that's online, I would like to see that. You know, that came about. I did a movie, a movie that I would really love for people to see, but I don't know what platform it's on. I think it's not showing. It was called. Um, Pray for rock and roll. Okay. You should see that. It's, it's way up your alley. And it's it's really about the true story about this punk rocker who never quite made it, Sherry Love Dog. And um, I played and I sang live throughout the whole movie. And in order to promote it, I had to, um, they said at Sundance, they said, hey, why don't you play some of the songs? I'm like, I don't have a band. Next thing I know, I saw Matt Sorum, um, who, I, who I had known. I said, Matt, I need to put together a band. And they were just putting together Velvet Revolver. And he said, well, I'll, I'll play for you. And I just met Slash. He goes, I'm sure Slash will also. He goes, let's just ask Steph, who I didn't know. I'm like, really? Within two hours, I'm like, okay, guys, I've got a band. It's called Guns N' Roses. So just have them come out to Sundance. I had no idea what I was in for. And I played live. It was the first real band. I played guitar with and sang, and we had a blast. That's I was a, like, whoa, the power behind me playing. I was like, oh, my God, so much fun. Yeah, that was at the Sundance um, Film Festival in 2003. That's online. Wait, wait there is? I, I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I mean, if you want, I don't know how often active you are on Twitter. I tagged you on it when I was promoting you uh, comments. So, yeah, the whole thing is is online. So, I mean, it's kind of a random. Oh, my God, yeah. I'm terrible on Twitter. You know, I realize I haven't even put this. I'm, I'm, I'm much more of an Instagram girl. Okay. And I'm. Sometimes to play, I haven't even, yeah, Twitter, I'm terrible at. Just, oh, well. just a random, well, just uh, to ask, because I know I got a, another minute. Did they ever ask you when they were searching for a singer to be, the, when, when Scott, um, I mean, of course, before he passed, when they just broke up, to, to replace him in Velvet Revolver? Because they were looking for different lead singers. So I'm just curious if you just jammed with them uh, for fun or if it ever became kind of serious. Uh, no, no, no. There was a, there's a band called Camp Freddy. Right. Right. When I played with the Guns N' Roses guys, it was before they had found Scott. Okay. Um, yeah, they were looking. Um, no, I thought Scott was perfect, you know, with them. Um, I think if anything, like Linda Perry would have been incredible, but she didn't want to sing anymore. Um, you know, weirdly enough, as much as I love singing rock and roll and it's fun. I mean, when I started writing my own music and doing it was more country blues. And then I just did a jazz show at the Carlisle. It, you know, I know. I mean, it would. Be, it, I could do a couple of those shows, but I don't know if I'd want to make that my whole life, to be honest. And they didn't ask. Let's be honest. If they asked, I probably would have said yeah. Like, 
Okay. Okay. Well, in the meantime, we got plenty of, I mean, your movies to watch. So thankfully, you know, maybe it's the blessing in disguise. We get to see you in amazing roles like Rifkin's Festival. So just again, thank you for your time. I know you got to run. Yeah. Uh, I hope we get to do thank this you. again. Thank you. Me too. Thank you so much. Check out that movie. You'll like it. I will. Absolutely. If you can find it. I'll, I'll look. Gina told me to look for it. I'm going to look for it. And then you and then you know what? I did a tour afterwards it, uh, through IFC. It's called Rocked with Gina Gerson. So it was my own little documentary I made having an actress selling a musical thing. But I was doing concerts throughout the country. And it's pretty funny. I mean, you've it's had... basically how independent movies get made and they're never shown. That's what it turned out to be. Right. Okay. But I, I play with girls against boys in that. So next time, I'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next time. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. She was even cooler than I expected. You could tell that she wanted to keep talking. She wanted to keep talking about Velvet Revolver and, and Guns N' Roses and about rock and music. So absolutely hope to get Gina Gershon again and for a longer time. But I'm certainly not going to turn down seven minutes with Gina Gershon. <laughs> so to make this a full and complete episode of Appetite for Distortion, let's talk to you in a segment we like to call... Fan obsession. Fan. It's a fan obsession. And before I get into our today's fan, Wayne Roberts, I want to give a shout out to uh, somebody who commented on uh, YouTube, uh, Byron T. Law. Hopefully, you're an attorney at law. I mean, that's a, a great name. Uh, says that he enjoys my play on songs like Shotgun News in a fan obsession. I could possibly do Double Talking Live stream maybe one day. That was a good idea. What do you think about that, Wayne? Double Talking Live. That's pretty, that's a badass name, dude. I do. Because I thought about doing live streams and and just, like, if there is breaking Guns N' Roses news, (laughs) which you kind of want to laugh out, but last year there were breaking news, right, with Absurd and Hard School. So maybe that'll be a thing in the future. All right, Byron. Okay, that's. I'll, I'll credit you uh, with that forever. But in the meantime, uh, Wayne Roberts f- from Maine right now, or do I say from Maine, or that's just where you reside at the moment? That's where I'm from, and I'm back after 30 years. That's right. Well, it's good, It's interesting getting into this fan obsession where we, where we talk to you, the Guns N' Roses fan, and we do this often when I have a short interview with the sorry Wayne no offense to you uh the marquee name (laughs) you know what I mean I don't mind being an opener yeah so you completely understood and and get it which is which is great which I think you're you're perfect to have on after somebody Gina Gershon which I interviewed on those radio tours which I which I've often explained on the on the podcast and hold on that's my email I want to make sure okay because I'm waiting Speaking of breaking news, because I'm just waiting on like an email, because there maybe might be some big guests also coming up, and maybe I can I can look on my phone, but I'm too OCD. I want to know right then and there. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm with you. So you also know uh, how those radio tours work. You know, I was one of twenty that Gina Gershon did promoting her new movie, and it was so cool that she just wanted to talk more and more about Velvet Revolver and Guns N' Roses, but I'm like, no, we got to talk about the movie. That's why you're here. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble uh, <laughs> kind of thing. So uh, before we get into the GNR stuff, because what Wayne did, which is what I encourage everybody to do, I talk about this all the time. If you want to be a part of the show, whether it's doing a fan obsession like now, or if you want to be uh, a co-host for a certain guest, if you want to recommend 
a guest. Actually, I'll break this news now for a certain. Um, I'm going to get on Cliff. I don't know if you're a wrestling guy, uh, Wayne. I know um, a bit, not a whole lot. Uh, Cliff Compton. He went by uh, Domino in WWE. He was a tag team champion. He did like kind of like a 50s greaser kind of look. But now <laughs> he dresses like Axel. Like he wears that uh, the black leather jacket with the, the ribs, the white ribs. If you know what I'm talking about. He wore it in some award show. Forgive me. I know I'm the GNR host, but I can't think. It's a famous Axel jacket. And he also has a. Not the one. You talking about the one with the bone, with the skeletal bones on it? Yes. I am. Yeah, my one. Okay, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. So he he rocks that to the ring, and he has a shirt with the, that says, uh, Cliffy, don't surf. <laughs> which I know should've, you, He should have been wearing a junkyard shirt. Yeah, which you are right now. Uh, and this is going to be the, the bonus part for those listening on, on the audio side, on iHeartRadio, wherever. Uh, this is the attachment, Gina Gershon. Um, which you can you, which you can watch if you want on YouTube, which I, I encourage people to go to, of course. But this is the special feature that Wayne gets on a you know you being a radio guy. Let's have the the radio experience uh, together. Um, I'm already sidetracked with that. So what was I just saying? I'm sidetracked with the uh, the e- well, I, with the email. That's what that's the problem with my. Well, you were talking about the wrestling, the wrestler guy. Yes, thank you. So I was waiting to get into that. Cliff Compton. Yeah, so I wanted to thank uh, Joseph. Okay, so this all makes sense. Joseph Affini III, who was on the podcast, who did, he might have did the Baltimore Review. We did a bunch of reviews this year after the show, and he came on as one of the Guns Roses fans to give his review, and he hosts, or he produces a bunch of podcasts, like for Raven, uh, you know, big-time ECW guy and, and former WCW guy. He helped me get Cliff Compton, and I offered him to co-host. And he's like, with everything he has going on, he just wasn't able to do it. I want to mention that as an example of just inbox me, which is what Wayne did after I posted a, a Charles Manson-related clip. Or, or did you po- <laughs> did you message me before or after? Again, speaking of YouTube, I'm, I'm almost daily putting up uh, highlights of this podcast, and we're, we have six years' worth of highlights and I posted with the uh, the actor who played Damon Harriman. Yeah, with in Mindhunter and in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and just like with Gina Gershon, I got him for a radio tour. Spoke about his movie at the time, which I think was P- Judy and Punch, something like that. And yeah, it was Judy and something, I think. Yeah, and then at the end, I'm like, he's an Aussie guy. Let me talk to him about ACDC and what he thinks about Axel DC. And it was, he was excited to talk about it. That's what I want. I love that. So yeah. you uh, <laughs> tell me about – so it's enough about me. You're the, it's, this is your segment. Kind of, can you kind of tell us you know, why the, the, that Manson segment <laughs> uh, excited you and maybe a little bit about yourself and why you reached out to me to do this? Well, I've seen, you know, I've, I've been following you for a bit on, on Twitter and I've, I've heard a, a bunch of the podcasts and I'm a big GNR fan. So, uh, and with us both being radio guys, I'm former, I'm, uh, I'd say retired except for my podcast, but, uh, uh, I figured, you know, there were stories and I, and I'd come across some old Phil Hendry stuff who I used to work with. I'm sure a bunch of your listeners know who Phil Hendry is. Uh, I used to work with him in Miami and then in, in, uh, Los Angeles for a bit. Um, and it hit me that, Oh, you must know who he is. So I think I sent you some, yeah, they did something it. from premiere mm-hmm. from, there was a news story from when they went in and, and Dwight Yoakam was on it. Uh, Bridget Fonda. Um, who else was, Oh, Gary Oldman. 
that was the other thing. That was it. It was the Gary Oldman thing as I saw that. Oh, because right. Gary Oldman being in the video, uh, the the since I don't have you video playing the devil, right? Since I don't have you, right? Yeah, I oh, it was that yeah. the, that meme that you saw because <laughs> I <laughs> there are memes going around that now. Meme, yeah. I mean, I'm a you know, I'm a there's one listener that that seems to not enjoy what I make reference to me being Jewish, which is just so weird. So I'm saying hello to that one person that makes comments. Uh, but there, so I watch Seinfeld all the time. Obviously, that's my my thing there. So there, but for some reason, there's this meme going around everywhere. And if you follow on social media, you've seen my take on it, where that is that classic Seinfeld episode where uh, Kramer and that that chicken place where first he was against it, then he was for it, and that red light, and, and mm-hmm. Jerry's looking, he's like, "What's going on in there?" And there's a red light coming back, and people are having their take on whatever is in the red light. And Kramer's response, like, oh, it's something, Jerry. So I did, uh, you know, Gary, it's Gary Oldman is the devil, Jerry, because that clip from that video. <laughs> that was a, is that ju- was one of the best ones. I've seen a bunch. <laughs> and that was one of the best ones I've seen of that Jerry thing. Yeah, it was very uh, hyper nerd. Like, you know, you have to be a hardcore Guns N' Roses fan to, to have understood that meme. So I appreciate that you did. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't know. Cause this is the one thing I forgot. You know, Wayne and I, we've been talking uh, off air for like half an hour already. We had to get out so much of our radio nerddom before, you know, we get into GNR. Uh, I didn't ask, because you have much better hair than I do. You're an older guy than I am, but do you mind if I ask how old you are? Because I think that's why I don't know the premiere people. Well, this, you know. this is when, when people see me, what I usually, well, it's, this is my, my old opener doing stand-up is there's no no need to no need to google it no need to ask it's true 51 years ago kenny loggins and chuck norris played a lot of bareback leapfrog and uh then i oozed out <laughs> i could see and that. kenny kenny yes kenny's a great mom nice i like that but no but seriously when i was born i destroyed that man's vagina <laughs> but that's what gave him the voice you all know and love so i'm all right oh there there you go i, get I haven't Dude. I'm never going to be able to hear that song again. <laughs> well, that's I can see. Whenever that. I hear "Danger Zone," I'm like, "Yeah, that's what that you came up with that song when you when when Chuck was behind you back in the day, huh?" <laughs> Jeez, jeez. So, former radio guy, former comedian. I'm a you know wannabe comedian on this thing, hosting a a podcast. And whenever I've done FM, I always I always had that approach to it. It's funny, and especially since I just interviewed somebody who's uh, you know just did a Woody Allen movie. I I had a uh, production director that would call me the the Woody Allen of classic rock radio or the Jerry Seinfeld of classic rock radio with like my one liners and my, you know my my shtick, kind of kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm I was like that's fine that sticks out every you know there's too many of like rock and roll you know too many uh, of just the who, too cool for school you know. In '94, uh, when I went to radio school in Miami, mm. we had it was a small place called uh, Miami Lakes Tech. And they had uh, they had a TV thing on, uh, across the hall where you could learn, you know, be cameraman, do the behind the scenes stuff on uh, on that and on air stuff. Anyway, one of the cool things about the the school was it was cheap. It was only a, a I think it was two hundred and forty nine dollars for a semester, and we we were we had two air two hours on the air at WLRN, which was kind of like the uh, you know the 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 NPR in Miami. We had we were live Monday through Friday from one to two uh, from our place. We had our own thing, and they you know they ISDN, uh, and then from three to four we would record another show. It was all light jazz shit, and they would play it back from eleven to twelve 
Monday through Friday. So we had two hours. So you actually had, that was one of the cool things about the school. And at that time in the early nineties, probably 60% of the people that worked in Miami came from that school, hmm. um, which was cool. Because, and then if jobs came up, they'd call up Bob Gaynor, red pudding head, my teacher, my instructor. And uh, you know, that's how a lot of us would get gigs, get our first gigs. Um, but because it was light, it was, you know, light jazz shit, uh, which was all right, but it got a little, of course, got boring. I was there for rock. Um, you just got a really good email, huh? I did. You saw my face. I can't yeah, look I can at see this. Your eyes. I, I, I got to process this later. All I can say is, I don't know if these things are going to happen, but just keep following me on social media if I have some amazing guest announcements. I'm sorry. All right. No, it's cool. What no, I'm going to do cool, now. Dude. I love that. What I'm going to do like now. Look it in the mirror. I'm going to close it. Because uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't be distracted. Come on, Brandon, focus. Because this is what no, we're we're very similar. This this is we got the radio brain, and that's why um, I knew you would understand. That's why because so. that's my, my if you listen to my podcast, the Waning Interest podcast, that's a lot of it. What it is is I'll go off on something and I'll be like, wait, where was I? Ah, figure it out. And then there's somehow I'll just keep talking, and then it'll come back around. And a lot of times that's what happens. By the end of the show, I was like, oh yeah. A half an hour ago when I said blah, 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 it, it's, it's, it's fun that way. But. You, it makes me, you make me feel better for saying that. Cause there are so many times that I just think like, where's my brain? But this is the, we, the conversation that we had and I mean, I took a lot out of it and I'll, I'll, I'll share it here on, on the recorded portion. I should have recorded our conversation beforehand of just us talking shop or whatever. Cause I learned a lot and you're absolutely right. You know, uh, just with the things you say and then how people enjoy conversations. And this is how people talk. It doesn't yeah. need to be regimented. And I know sometimes it's a double-edged sword where, yeah, sometimes I used to do like write-out questions and have things regimented and have like a show layout. And then I would just find myself sticking to that too much. And yep. that would ruin the flow of, of just what we're talking about. And I would feel like even if I was done talking, I had to cover something instead of just following the natural flow of a conversation and just and how people talk to each other. So I sometimes to my detriment, I don't have things in front of me because I know if I do, I'm going to miss it. And so I don't know. But you understand. I I know exactly what you're saying, brother. Love it. Love it. Love it. But Uh, to to finish that radio thing where in school. Uh, I got in trouble. I got us in trouble once because I got what, what we would do is we had the music. We had four people would do each hour and they were picked. You had a little schedule. And it, when I first got there before I was able to go on the air and I just have to learn each room, you know, learn all the equipment and stuff you had. You would you know, you would progress at that time. There was a whole bunch of people there and there was so many were on the air, wanted to be on the air that had other gigs, too, and would come into the school. So to get on the air was tough at the time. But then all of a sudden, when I ended up being on the air, it was just three of us. So we were doing every fucking day. So one would one person would jock. Uh, we had somebody doing a two minute news thing or three minute news thing at the qu- at, at quarter after uh, and that one o'clock hour, that one o'clock show. It would be sports at the 30 and then at 45, another newscast by somebody else. And then in between, you know, there's all the, you know, the music. So that's how we would do the thing. And then in the, the three to four show that would air 11 to midnight the sports instead was an entertainment news, an entertainment uh, thing for three minutes or whatever it was. Anyway, I got so fucking bored because it was so stiff. At one point, Jerry was coming. This is 94. Jerry was coming into, was coming to Miami for some, for some shows, I guess. And I saw it in the paper, whatever. 
And I was a big Phil Henry fan who was on in Miami doing, did, did voices and stuff. And I just thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to do a fake fucking interview with Jerry Seinfeld. And that was the first time I ever did my, and this is 1994 and I haven't practiced it in a while, but I had it down. I had a pretty good, I had a pretty good Jerry. I had it. <laughs> I had a, I had a good impression. So I was like, so Jerry, well, and you know, and I did the overdoning, you know, the overdoing some of his, eh, and then, you know, that kind of shit. Uh, and it, I'll, I'll, right during the break, I turned the microphone off. A couple of people, uh, my uh, uh, other students come in and, oh, that was fucking funny, blah, 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 blah. And I, oh, cool. Excellent. It was good. Was it all right? And I turn around because right behind the board, on the right behind me, if I'm sitting at the board here, at that, that brick wall would have, would is, was into uh, uh, Red Puddinghead's office with another window. And I turn all the way to look in, look into there, and he's just standing there, just like, just obviously not happy. And it wasn't that he didn't like it; it was because LRN called him to complain, and he had to take those. If we ever did anything wrong, wow. he had to take those complaints from the people at LRN who hated. Now, they didn't hate us. There was one guy that didn't like us; who was trying to get us off the air. But uh, and he was a he was a dick. But um, Anyway, so I got in trouble for that. <laughs> so, but it, it was all from the Jerry. This will stem from bringing up Seinfeld. Oh, okay. And uh, when I was the first time I, you know, within the first bunch of shows I uh, ever did as a jock, uh, I did this Jerry Seinfeld impression like I was talking to him. And yeah, everybody loved it, but uh, the ones that keep Matter. the fucking lights on. That's how it works. That's how it works. So, yeah, I it's I love sharing these stories because I know exactly what you're talking about. Things uh, I'll just say real quick something that <laughs> I did this once on the air and I got away with it. The second time I did get away with it, but my PD wasn't as happy. Like every classic rock radio station has a countdown at the top, whatever their frequency is, classic rock songs of all time, and it's always going to be Stairway to Heaven. That's number one. I mean, so fucking boring. And I mean, it's no. It's 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 a special thing here at Q one hundred four, and it's not a it's not. This is like an older station I work for. Q one hundred four three. We make a joke that it's always going to be Stairway, and they're the Yankees of this song. You know, they have fun with it. But this was when I was at WPDH, and sometimes it could be Freebird or Won't Get Fooled Again. Chances are it's Stairway, and I just think the whole process is. I don't know. I I needed something to entertain myself, and I think at that time I was on the air for like six hours. You know, it's a long time. So <laughs> everyone knows it's going to be Stairway. And I did this whole preamble of what this greatest rock and roll song is of all time. And you guessed it. You know what it is. And I go right into the chorus of Justin Bieber's Baby. <laughs> and I play that for like 15 seconds. And uh, I come on. I apologize. I'm like, of course, it's Stairway. And, you know, my boss, he was like, eh, that's kind of funny. You know, all right. You know, whatever. I thought it was hilarious. And the next year I did the same thing. <laughs> with uh shares if you could turn back time and my boss was less happy because he got an email from some old guy saying i ruined his weekend oh my god fuck yourself that ruined your weekend so anyway it's <laughs> we all have our we all have our our, our issues but uh, the um yeah. uh was i just the the shit you just reminded me of something and i forgot what it was Something having to do with it. Oh, welcome to the club. Like that, you reminded me of uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Okay. Uh, towards the end, when uh, when uh, Happy picks him up on the plane and they're talking in the plane before oh, he builds his suit. You know what? I haven't seen and the it, new one yet. I haven't seen the new. Oh, you one. Yeah, I want to. No, see that's it. Not, not the new one. This is the the second one. No oh, Way okay. Home is the one with Mysterio with Jake. Gyllenhaal. Oh, okay, okay. So at the end, when 
He's built when he's about to put his own suit together in the plane and um, said something. They said something about music and happy hits the says, oh, I got that. And he hits a button and, you know, ACDC back in black, I believe it is. Mm -hmm. And fucking and Peter goes, oh, I love Led Zeppelin. (laughs) I was like, wait, I've been telling that that's that was my joke in high school back in 1985. That's my joke. It's become a joke. Oh, my joke, man. They've been using that joke a lot. Obviously, they did something like that in Cobra Kai. Uh, like the first season where um, fucking Johnny Lawrence, who's I, I want to get him on the show so bad. Uh, uh, I, I do pars. I used to in Studio City. I, I actually ate I ate uh, lunch right behind him. He was in the booth right behind me. It's so uh, funny because in, in 2000, I don't know, 2007 or eight, something like that. I took my kid across do pars. It was this really old. It'd been there forever in Studio City, this diner overpriced. Smelled like shit. Food wasn't all that great, but for some reason now it's a, it's a Sephora or whatever. But uh, wow. yeah, one day we we sat down and the waitress brought us over to the table and I went, oh, right. Remember, I told you you want to you didn't. I keep trying to get you to watch a Karate Kid, but you haven't watched it yet. Well, he's in it. This guy right over here, he's in it. <laughs> and it's amazing. Like I never the, said anything to him. But at the time, he probably would have appreciated it because he wasn't doing it. I mean, I don't know. He what. wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I kind of felt bad for him. Yeah, I mean, you never know what those. Because he was good in all those movies. Just one of the guys. What a, uh, where he played sort of the same role. Yeah. But, what a dude. Oh, he that movie he, he so was good. really good, and he's actually the best part of Cobra Kai because all the other acting makes me not watch it. That's why I watch it in the off position because Ralph Macchio, it's like, what the, it's like him and Sigourney Weaver, all these people get older and then they like, wait, you used to know what you were doing. Now you suck. Now you just, you, you, you're acting like somebody who just got off the bus on sunset in welcome to the jungle. <laughs> I, I love that show. I, I do. And, but Johnny Lawrence is the star. Obviously. I mean, it started as Cobra yeah. Kai and yeah, I mean, he, I, he, I he take produced all, he, he developed it. I mean, wow. Um, I can't remember the actor's name. I can't say his name, but I know it. Oh, I know, because I've obviously, it's, uh, my God. I've said it a hundred times, and I can't even. I know. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the point being, like, his uh, his character, uh, William uh, Zapka. There you go. Yeah, Zapka. Yep. And I knew it was, like, something with a Z. Mm. Like, his his student, uh, he's like, go listen to some good music, get pumped up or something, and listen to some Guns N' Roses. What's Guns N' Roses? It's like, don't ever say that again. You know, I, when that first came out, <laughs> I was obviously all over it. So that's become like a thing in like this shows now when you have people like maybe like me who are getting, I'm 38, getting older. So they're trying to make younger references or, you know, but the, the, the bridge, the age gap between the cast, I guess they make those references of just like, you know, oh, old man, you don't know, understand what TikTok is or young person, you don't know what Led Zeppelin is. So I guess it's relatable. So I... Whatever I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend to hate on it. Other than I'm just a stereotype, I guess more so. Uh, I mean, I, I like the idea. I like what they're doing. I think it was cool. I used to live in that area, and you know, I was in the valley for 15 years. I lived in Studio City, right? You know, which they a lot of that stuff was shot in Sherman Oaks, the original movie, and and I guess the show too. Uh, just straight up Ventura Boulevard. I lived right off Ventura Boulevard. Um, Right by CBS Radford, where where Seinfeld was fucking shot. <laughs> I lived right across the street from CBS Radford. So here's a, an idea, and as we got, we're now going to talk to your GNR fandom. So just like how Wayne inboxed me just to do, a, you know, to do, to do a fan obsession. If any of you want to, always missing. If you always want to, if you want to find uh, and get me William Zapka, you can co-host the episode. 
So <laughs> I don't know if you write that would him some be pretty cool. If you write him some fan mail, you can co-host the episode with me if he agrees to do it. That's how it works. Or Ralph Macchio. Do it, folks. I mean, Ralph Macchio, who I'm an Islander fan. I tried to get very disappointed he didn't come on, but uh, E from Entourage. Oh, Kevin Connolly. Yeah, because he told. He's great. He told the Guns N' Roses story on his on on the Victory podcast. Uh, somebody brought to my attention on the Entourage podcast about you know uh, uh, yeah he was just like Guns N' Roses is his favorite band and I reached out to him. I'm like I'm also from Long Island. I'm you know I'm an Islander fan. I never heard back. So whatever. Get get me Kevin Connolly and you can co-host. I'm putting it out there. I hope you do, man. That's that'd be badass. He's he's cool. So within all this. Where like where does Guns N' Roses come in? Because I've given examples how Guns N' Roses have affected my radio life pre doing this podcast. Whether it's just excitedly you know talking about them on the air, uh, you know sometimes having to give up. I think it was one of the shows, the Hammerstein show. I couldn't go to because I couldn't give up a radio shift because I was so desperate for money at that time. So it's GNR is obviously tied into my life with throughout my career. So I'm just curious. Huge year. You know, uh, how, how so in your case? I still, I still remember yeah, and this. I, I love this story. Uh, I, I heard appetite for the first time in 87. I, my, when I moved, when I, I lived in Virginia, I was born here. When my parents got married, we moved to Virginia. When they got divorced, my mom and my sister and I moved back to Maine uh, in the 80, 81. So I had to, so one twice a year, I'd go down to visit my dad in Virginia. Uh, my dad was a big bowler and, uh, had a pro shop, um, and, uh, had a lot of people that hung around him. And one of the people that he used to bowl with this guy named JD, who was a drummer. Uh, he was only eight to nine years older than me, something like that. But anyway, 87, I think appetite had only been out a month and a half, maybe two months. Cause it was the end of, towards the end of August when I was there for a week. And, uh, I went with JD, it went out with JD and his, and his, and his IROC Z. And, uh, he goes, dude, you got to check this out. A buddy of mine that lives in LA saying this band is really awesome, but he, he didn't have the actual cassette. This, this is before CDs. Uh, well, I guess they were starting to come in at the time. Uh, they weren't big, big yet, but, uh, somebody had a friend of his had burned him a, uh, had uh, recorded another cassette and he played it. And I'm like, what the hell? Wow, this is pretty cool. But I didn't really know, but it was cool just to watch somebody who was a drummer, an actual mu- mu- musician who was kind of like a big brother to me. Uh, just like, this is fucking great. You know, this whole thing. And, um, and after that, I, I didn't think to, Hey, can you make me a tape? You know, whatever. This is really cool. Anyway, I come back to Maine and I had told some friends and this is like a, it's it's funny. It's like it's it's like a recurring thing. I'll come back with a New Year's Eve Guns N' Roses show story if I if we get there. Uh, similar kind of thing. I come home and I tell a bunch of people, and I'm like, I can't remember. I think it was Guns and but and everybody's like, yeah, whatever. They weren't really listening, and I didn't think to go. Well, I want to just go buy myself buy myself one of the cassettes, and I think I did at some point. But uh, um, and I tried to play some stuff. Everybody's like blowing it off, and then Sweet Child hits of course and boom and everybody's like oh my god these guys are so great i was telling you guys about these guys fucking a month uh, how many months ago i was trying to tell you and now everybody's blown up whatever so then that ties into the story uh what 91 i guess it was or 92 in miami uh some friends and i went to see guns and roses new year's eve and Soundgarden was opening 
I was already a Soundgarden fan. I had Louder Than Love. I had Bad Motor Finger, which is what they were pimping at the time. Fucking loved them. And uh, I especially loved uh, Ben Shepard, the way he played bass, the way he stomps around the fucking, the way he stomps around the stage. It's so badass. Um, I could never do that. But um, of course, Soundgarden sound isn't as good. This is in a stadium. It's a Joe Robbie stadium um, in Miami. And uh, they didn't have used the same equipment. And it was, oh, eh, it was, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it, but everybody, all my friends, that's, I can't fucking believe you bought their albums, man. Those guys fucking suck. Blah, all this stuff. No, they, you're not listening. Two years later, Black Hole Sun comes out. These guys are the fucking greatest ever. These same fucking people. I'm like, you guys aren't real friends, man. You, <laughs> you guys are not. This is why I got into radio. So people actually would fucking listen to me. Funny. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I'm not shitting you. All five of them. All these guys fucking. So I the ride back to Fort Lauderdale after the show. That's all I heard. Those guys sucked. Like, no, they didn't. No, they didn't have the greatest equipment. They weren't using what guns use. They're the opener. They have smaller stuff. And it's a big fucking save. We were in a club. That show would have been one of the greatest you ever saw. That set by Soundgarden. Was that? It would have been one of the coolest things if it was at the, uh, if it was at the, uh, you know, the Culture Club in Fort Lauderdale. It would have been mm-hmm. that where I saw Bad Religion. That would have been so great. But you guys, you're not thinking, you know, the big thing. Anyway, two years later, they are all drunk at the Bowling Center. This guy's so fucking great. I love this. The greatest song ever. Black Hole Sun. <laughs> no, it's not. But I'm glad you're a fan now. <laughs> oh i love it now it's like that's like sweet child for me i i, I it's i'd listen to it in the opposition now i can't do it anymore or november rain i can't just i can't do it anymore it's just you know those overplayed songs you know from being in radio i yeah from being in radio yeah uh november rain just and i've said this just isn't for me because it just happens to be my my personal favorite but like live and let die knocking on heaven's door yeah and yeah even sweet child up until like the part where i'm like yeah in, in like Paradise City is always like the, with the slash parts, the end, where I'm like, I'm glad I kept this on. And like, I don't like not enjoy it, but again, it's being in radio and those are the songs that they play so often. There were years like, I'm like, I don't want to ever hear Def Leppard again because it's mm. just like, I worked for a station that would play them like six times during my shift. And I'm like, geez, like this is just enough already, you know? Yeah. And, and I think I'm like, happened early on with Bon Jovi if I never Bon Jovi again I'm fine <laughs> it's just I don't know I guess that's the you know one of the bad things I guess about working in radio it can it, I don't know sometimes it can kill your love of music which would be <laughs> yes it can that's why I never the actually worked in music radio hmm. I, I went in, I, I got my first gig in talk where I first started working with Phil you know got to work with Phil Hendry and some other people in Miami and uh, I, I was in talk the whole time I would hate um, it more. It was a better thing. Sure, I would hate it more though if I worked in like contemporary. I'm not, not hate it more. I love love radio. I would saying I would. I don't think I would be happy if I worked for those stations that are like top forty where they're playing the new song all the time. With classic rock, yeah, it's you know what to expect, but there's always a history there. I'm, I'm you know I learned so much, uh, especially because I wasn't there for you know the, the first go around of a lot of these bands. So I always enjoy that. Again, it was just some of the songs just got to be repetitive. But anyway, uh, so was ninety one the first time you saw GNR? Was your fir- that was your first opportunity? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that uh, ninety one New Year's Eve. Yeah. How were they then? If Soundgarden wasn't as good according to your it, friends, but how were they? Yeah. Oh, uh, Guns and they sounded. You know, it was blasting. It was it was good. There was a part where 
See, here's the thing where I would ask them if, if they, if they asked me, if I was one of those that could take care of the set list for once, knocking on heaven's door would go. It's got to go. It's a cover. Number one, number two, it's, they've done it. They make it too long and too, and most people started sitting down and then Axel got a little pissed because they were, well, you're, it's you, you're play a song that's up, you know, this knocking on, it's just, it's, it's not that it's not that it's a bad song. It's just, it's not, I, I think of it's so easy when I think of guns, I, I, you know, I'm not complaining, but I am complaining when it comes to a live show. If you, you know, if you want me, you want people to keep bouncing and doing this, then play though. You've got plenty of those songs. You've got back off bitch. You've got so many fucking songs that really shred. And I know, you know, it's, it's taxing on Axel's voice as well and that stuff. I get that, but it, it's like, uh, one of the greatest, one of the best shows I ever saw was Bad Religion. Why? They came out, Greg Graffin didn't come out babbling. He didn't, you know, nothing, nothing against people that, that talk a little bit between songs, whatever. There was almost no talk between songs. Comes right out slamming. They go right from one song to the next. Boom, 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 boom. They're all up tempo because they're supposed to be. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And then leave the fucking stage after 55 minutes. And I was the only one standing there, hammered, standing there at the stage going, waiting for an encore. Everybody else knew. They walked away already. I'm like, oh, they don't do encores? <laughs> oh, I'm the only one. <laughs> Shit. But I wish I could, there was some more. But, uh, wow, that's a badass show. You just come in, bam, bam, get the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, Greg Graffin, another former guest of the show. And going on yeah. and going on real late, that didn't help when, you know, why do you, sure. you're pissed at people sitting down resting when they've been here for hours and they had to wait. You know, you know that you know. So they got to get some of those songs. Got to get off that fucking set list. It's interesting that's been uh, the case since '91. But I don't know when I went to three shows this uh, last year. Now I could say last year. Um, and it's funny, like you, you can say we're we don't want to hear Sweet Child as much anymore. Knocking at Heaven's Door. Most fans that I've seen aren't like us. That they want to hear the hits, and there yeah. are there's still. A, which is sad, a large portion that has no idea not going to Heaven's Door as a cover. They don't know mm. Live and Let Die as a cover. They don't know that. It's, you know, I'm not friends with those people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so, I'll never forget. It was probably at the Baltimore show when Sweet Child comes on, you hear people going, oh, shit. Like, what? <laughs> that's, that's like saying hello. That's, <laughs> you know that's going to happen. And knocking on Heaven's Door, now, now unfortunately, I think it's going to become a staple to pay uh, tribute to somebody who's passed instead of, you know, adding a new song. Like, uh, which no, talk- I get the Todd Crew thing. I get all. I, I, I understand that. And uh, well, I mean, no, that's like one, of the, one of the ones I've, one of the ones I've uh, listened to. One, that's one of your shows I've listened to. Uh, uh, dude from Jet Boy. I can't oh, yeah. say his name right now. Oh, um, oh my God. Billy Rowe. Yeah, he's in uh, Buckcherry now. He's in Buckcherry now. That was a good one. Yeah, I should. I, I got to make a clip of that. Yeah, he was a great guest. Um, but yeah, man, I, it's it's just I, I see it. It's just interesting. Yeah, we can all have our dream set lists, and I. It's funny. I, I. It's Twitter, whatever. I tweet at Axel. He's never going to respond, obviously. So I'll, I'll tweet him random stupid shit just to get reactions from my listeners. You know, like you up. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, st- like just like stupid <laughs> shit. It's fucking fun. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, 
I think recently like a text. Yeah, like a text. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Like, and who knows? Like, just but like, imagine like in the the point milli, you know, percent that he could respond, it would make me famous if he ever did, if he just liked it. Uh, not that I'm, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it to entertain, like make to make you laugh, which I'm doing right now. Uh, but I tweeted at him. You up? Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I guess I switched. Chances are it was. I know, right? <laughs> Unless it's in the afternoon. That's very true. <laughs> but I think it was more to like, get, it was, instead of just like me posing this question to my listeners, they would see it and then respond in their own way. And I said to Axel, what's, you know, how come you love the seeker so much? You know, um, and just, I've said, yeah, it's a good song. The Who yeah. version is a good song. It's just, why are you playing a cover that's not recorded, like Knocking on Heaven's Door and Live and Let Die? That's not on an album that people know. And especially when you guys are back together and you have all these songs that you did together and that could, you're playing the seeker instead Three of covers, you're playing the seeker instead of bad obsession or something like that. It's just like, why? I mean, whatever makes you happy at the end of the day. But, uh, but yeah, so I mean, if you want to upset a hardcore Guns N' Roses fan, just mention covers, just say that. And then it's just like, Oh, why the covers? But I, I've also said at this point, we were, I mean, Slash just came out in an interview saying like he would never have believed that this band could have gotten through COVID, and you know he was so surprised how like they they've gelled. They only expected it to last a few shows. The fact that it's lasting is still the ultimate. They were at a point where we can kind of nitpick is uh, is great. You know, at the end of the day, the fact that they're still going together. You know, if you want to talk about where's Izzy, where's Adler, right? And though as presently constituted. I think this is so much more than what we ever expected, like seven That's years true. ago or something. When this podcast started, was right before the reunion, and when I had my my then co-host, current friend Ian, he just thought it's like it was just going to last as long as the reunion, just like probably like ten episodes or something. And I'm like, no, here I am, still doing it. They're gonna. I I, I saw. Um, I won't bring up the uh, the the soundbite, but the shotgun news. I've been seeing a lot of people post that the hard school EP is being delivered now where it was originally scheduled for June. So a lot of people are going to get that hard school package where it's hard school absurd and two live tracks. I think it's don't cry. And the other ones escaping me right now. I don't have it in front of me. I love absurd. I love that fucking song. I do too. I, I, I like hard school better, but I'm not on the side of just like absurd, like fuck this song or what is this? No, for whatever reason, it hit me. I was like, this is cool. Like, I just like the way he's singing on it. And it's, when you saw him perform it live, how into it he was. I think it's, and I think that's, I think that is a, the best example of what Axel, to me anyway, it seems from all I've, my homework and, you know, and reading everybody's book, everybody's books more than once. Uh, that seems like that was what, absurd is exactly what not the version that we knew of that leaked way before but this with with slash and duff on there sounds more like what axel was going for in the mid 90s yeah you know what i mean it's gonna be interesting which of course sounds way better with with slash and duff on there nothing against the other guys but that's not that's the real guns and roses the songs that i haven't heard because now it's like when i hear slash you know play on better or or you know, there was a mm. time or something. It just sounds weird to me because I'm so used to hearing it the way that it was done and it made me become yeah. a fan of Bucket and Fink. But when it was a song like Silkworms that I maybe I heard the the leak version once, 
didn't really wasn't into it. Uh, the live version that came out from Rio wasn't into it, and there was just something mm. about this version that you knew. I know that Slash or yep. the beginning of Hard School. Like you, you know that's Duff, and, and you know that baseline is Duff. You know right. that sound, but Duff has got his own sound. That's one of the coolest parts about that. And a lot of people don't talk about his bass. The, there's something about his bass. He plays. There's some tuning where, like, yeah, that sounds like from a Guns N' Roses. That sounds it's. it's nobody talks about that as much. Right. I don't think as they do talk about all, all the other things. But Duff has a certain, there's something, there's some certain, there's some slight little thing where he's like, well, I hear a bass played. And I'm like, wait, that's just normal. Duh, duh, duh. No, that's that's Duff. You can hear, you can just, there's a thing. And I know people, it sounds weird and I'm not really doing a good job of processing it through through words, but uh, I think a lot of people that are that hear this will know what I'm talking about. I know what and you're you talking know that, about. That little ding, 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 you know, you know, I know that I'm just saying little notes, but there's something about Duff. And that's one of the reasons that's why he's him and Kelly Nichols were my biggest influences on buying my first bass way back in the day. I remember you saying that to me on uh, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So hearing Axel slash and Duff on a recorded track, it just hit me. And if you hadn't listened to Chinese Democracy and that was the first Guns N' Roses song you listened to since the spaghetti incident or User Illusion, yeah, that's going to shock the hell out of you. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it wasn't too far off how much I love Shackler's Revenge. You know, it, it just, it, it, it fit. And hard Ooh, I just hear him hearing that. I'm hearing the sound from yeah. the opening of Shackler's Revenge now that you said it. Yeah, it's just, it, so I liked it. So I'm excited to see what else, because Slash said they've been working on other stuff. And what oh, they've got to have a fucking ton of stuff, bro. There's a ton. Of course there is. It's just whether it's going to become Chinese democracy uh, leftovers, which I also made. <laughs> I made uh, that Kramer meme about where uh, it was just you know the top of Jerry squinting, looking at a red light. You know, what's going on in there, Kramer? And I guess had the hard school locker, the red locker. Oh, it, yeah, I saw that. As, yeah. The, the middle pane and the bottom pane was just uh, Chinese leftovers, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I mean that lovingly because I have no problem with it. If good music is good music. I don't care. That's if, right. If this was stuff that Axel's been working on and now is when it's ready to be released because Slash and Duff are on it, fine by me. Also, at the same time, yeah, I would love for them all to be in the same room and yeah. and do it. That was one of my one of the sure. one of my biggest disappointments when I saw them in two, in 2016 at Dodger Stadium. I figured because they'd already had in what was it Cincinnati and in Nashville they had Stephen on. Yeah, I think before that, and I'm like, wait, this is L.A. <clears throat> this is where they're from. I'm definitely going to get to see Stephen play a couple of songs, and maybe this is where Izzy pops in because it's LA it's that's that would be the coolest place to do it the LA shows they didn't even have Steve in my night because there was two shows I went to the first one Steven played the next they had him on the next night I didn't even get to see it on the, oh. the night that I was which sucked and of course there was no Izzy but one of my one of the things I remember the most besides my my buddy who I went with who was not a weed guy and I gave him he wanted to have some edibles and I gave him a Jesus Christ I think it was like 40 milligrams nice. so it wasn't <laughs> he was just oh man this is so great but he couldn't really move <laughs> and i had a busted foot so i had crutches and everything and luckily the, there was nobody sitting in front of me so i could put my because i was up up in the i didn't buy the real expensive uh tickets because well, on my foot i didn't want to be down there with a whole big you know with all those people getting kicked because it, it's a weird thing when you have a cast on at least for me 
whenever I've had some kind of people just find a way, even though you're five feet away, they'll find somehow without even on purpose. Somehow people will just kind of find a way to bump into your fucking injury. Oh, that's uh, the story of my life. yeah. See, you know what I'm saying. Well, I mean, because yeah. I don't, I don't know. Because uh, I appreciate that you listen to the podcast regularly, and I don't bring this up uh, all the time. But my disability, where I have a neurological disability, demyelinating peripheral neuropathy, where I walk with a limp, I do wear leg braces, and I have a cane, and it's just like people just find me. Like especially since I'm like five six, and when I'm at a concert, they like to walk through me. And it's like, why are you walking around me? Because if you push me, I'm going to fall. So that's why I'm like always holding on to like the railing or something because it's like walk that way when there's an opening. Why do you got to go and and push me around? And I'll never forget it. I was at a Foo Fighters show and some guy did that and he was taller than me. And I got a big fucking mouth. I'm like Axel. And I guess said, excuse you. And I looked him right in the face. And I mean, obviously he looked at me. He's like, I could beat the shit out of this kid. And he he just kind of smirked and walked away. And I guess because he would have beat the shit out of me, I guess. But I don't know. I would have done something to him. <laughs> but I got I got a chip. Some weapons. I got a chip on my. Sh- be used as a weapon. I got a chip on my shoulder, and some would say it was me. You know, that's that's <laughs> right. So so I I know what you're talking about. Uh, so was that the second time you saw GNR? Was ninety one to, to two thousand sixteen? Were there times in between? Oh no no no! Okay. I saw them. Uh, oh. Uh, oh eight. Oh eight at uh, the Universal Amphitheater, girlfriend and I, uh, and it, well, the cool part about that was there, there, we we were able to be right there by the stage. I mean, it was it was very close, and they did three shows. Sebastian Bach opened. Um, well, that was Ashba, right? Was that two thousand eight? What was the exact lineup then? Do you recall? Do I have to look it up? Should I know this off the top of my hat? I think it was, yeah. I think it was Ashba by then. It wasn't, yeah. Buckethead was definitely gone, of course. Yeah, you don't, uh, even, you yeah. don't remember. Yeah, I think what? it was, it was, it was uh, Bumblefoot, uh, Ashba, and 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 Fortis. Yeah. Okay. Did you enjoy and, it? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was actually a good show. It was a good show. It was fun. My girlfriend had fun, and it was cool because it wasn't because we got to be close and standing and and uh, not like a you know. It, of course, I wanted to see Slash, and I wanted the, the real band there. But no, it was still a really good show, and Axel was cool. Um, sounded sounded great. Uh, but this 2016 show, when I was sitting there at one point, and I remember I'd just gotten through laughing at my buddy to the left of me. He'd said something really funny, and he was just so baked, and it was funny. And then it was during the break of during uh, between a couple songs, and Axel was talking, and he said something about uh, uh, we asked Frank. Uh, we asked Frank, Frank, uh, Frank wh- wh- what should we do next, or something like that. And a dude that's he's on the other on the other side of the, on the next in the next row, just a little bit away from me. All of a sudden, I hear him go, "Who the fuck is Frank?" <laughs> and I went, "Oh my god, you come to see a show and you don't even know who's in the fucking band, and you're wearing a Guns N' Roses shirt." Yeah, that's the the, the Faw fans drive me nuts. If they, that kind of shit just drives me. You don't even know who the drummer is. Yeah, I can guarantee so you. So I went, I went I laugh I to the left, laugh to the right, <laughs> and and then they burst into. Uh, I don't remember what they went into, but uh, it was something cooking. It wasn't. I can't remember what it was. It was so long ago, but and I was stoned. But 
I just I just could not believe I heard that. Who the fuck is Frank? And it wasn't like a joke. The dude I, was serious. He I had no clue. I guarantee you that if I did a poll at all the shows that I went to, 90% wouldn't know anybody else other than Axel slash and Duff. Maybe Dizzy. Maybe Dizzy. I'm walking either dressed in guns. I, maybe I'm being too harsh, but I'm telling you, I'm just looking around just seeing these. We just look like regular people. Not like, I guess we look like regular people too, but we happen to be hyper GNR nerds. I can't imagine them knowing. They, they might know that Izzy's not in the band, that Steven Adler's not in the band, but I don't think they know who they are, they, their names. I just, and that's a kind of unfortunate. I think that's what bothers me. And the reason why maybe GNR does this. When they do the lithographs or T-shirts, they're just the three of them. They just make th- three skeletons. They don't show a, a Melissa Reed skeleton. They don't even do a, a Dizzy Reed skeleton, you know, which kind of, it bothers me. You know, it would have yeah. been cool like when they did the, uh, you know, one of the lithographs, uh, the Peanuts one, where it was just you know Peanuts versions of Axel, Slash, and Duff. You're telling me that a, a Peanuts version of Melissa Reese would not have been awesome? So I, I just, especially with that hair, they're marketing it around those three, and I guess I get it to an extent. But I mean, if you want these people to be band members, you want people in the audience to know who they are. Then, so, it is what it is. And also, this got me thinking. I almost, you said something early that um, I was going to bring it up, and now I'm reminded of it. Another genius idea that I have that GNR is welcome to take or giving credit for. I've had a few, like with Hard School, they should have debuted it. Uh, for like a whole get back to uh, going back to school special, there should have been like you know, keeping your your pencils and you know a, a, a pencil. What do they call it? A pencil sack, a pen, uh, a pen bag. You know, make those or a ruler, erasers, like everything you buy, like a memo pads. They could any everything hard school and going back to school. But another idea, it was just announced that Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to do a new movie called Zeus. Obviously, no, I think it's just I think it's just a. I don't think it's a movie. It's, it's not, just, I think it's going to be a Super Bowl commercial. It says coming 2022. You think it's, oh, so it's only a commercial? I think it's just a commercial. I don't think it's, yeah, because if you look it up, I don't think there's there's <laughs> nothing on the production or whatever. I think it's about a commercial that's going to be airing on the Super Bowl, during the Super Bowl. All right. If so, which I watch in the, which I watch the Super Bowl, but I watch the commercials in the off position. <laughs> Some of them. Oh, you son of a, you ruined everything for me. I think you're right. I think you're right. Because it says, what is Arnold Zeus Super Bowl commercial likely? Get the fuck out of here. Because my, my idea was... Uh, Sorry, bud. Yeah, no, but I want to hear that. I want to hear the idea. I know. What a bastard. Anyway, my idea was, if Kit was Zeus, if they debuted on the soundtrack a new version of Oh My God, how perfect would that be? That would be perfect. Yeah. I mean, for a variety of reasons, because obviously there's a history that goes back. You could be mine, Terminator, Oh My God on End of Days, and to have an Oh My God on a, a movie about a, version, a God. A, ver- a version of Oh My God with Slash and Dove. Yes, yeah. Even though I, I love the original version, I was, it was like Shacklers for me, love at first listen. But if they made a new version, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be mad at it. I would have two awesome versions to listen to. That's all. Exactly. <laughs> That's all. So, um, all right. Well, if it's only a Super Bowl commercial, wah, wah. all right. <laughs> Who knows? Might, that, it might turn in, you know, shit turns into uh, bigger things yep. with, because of the internet with people demands. Hey, maybe it'll be the maybe it'll be the soundtrack of the commercial. Maybe Gina. But I, I can I can do I can do without that guy though. Uh, I'm not a fan. Of, of I was in California when he was governor. He was not a good 
And none of them are good governors. It was all about, you know, they're just, it's all corporate. That's, it's not a country. It's a corporation. That's this planet. It's just kind of this planet. So that's why uh, I always just revert back to the blanket of, I think the dinosaurs got a roar, raw, a roar deal. A raw, a raw deal. <laughs> they both work. Yeah. Wow. That was a... That was a happy accident that had that just happened with my uh, with an impediment a roar deal, <laughs> uh, and they should come back because human beings. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but for I don't know, this, this we've created too many things that are just like oh, it's again. This is a whole other podcast. Uh, I get you. So, what other GNR experiences have you had? Because I know you have a lot uh, that we you t- we spoke about off here. Something with Gilby, right? You did something. Yeah, my uh, my first. Um... My first radio interview, the first interview that I ever did on on uh, on the radio was Gilby Clark in 97. Nice. Uh, I'm sure another one, I'm going to drop another radio name that I'm sure a good amount of your listeners know uh, that from Florida, if they were from Florida or Alabama area, because we were, what is it? I think at one time it was, because it was, they had their own syndication, Ron Ron, the Ron Ron show in Florida. They were sending, we were, I think at one time, the most, we were just in the Southeast and had 17 affiliates, I think was at the most, uh, which ended up dwindling and everything a little bit uh, as Clear Channel killed the show. Um, the former, yeah, the, 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 yeah, whatever. The company killed them. Um, but they were, they uh, had Gilby scheduled, I think, what was it? Uh, not Pawn Shop Guitars, or The Hangover, I think was the album. Okay that he was pimping and uh, we had him, had him scheduled and we kept, they kept putting him off and blowing him off. And I'm like, guys, guys, what are you doing? No, man, this is one of the guitars from Guns N' Roses. There's gonna, you know, no, he's, he's a cool dude. You gotta, and my name was Batman. They named me Batman <laughs> on the show, uh, which was a pretty cool name. Yeah. I almost, I almost got the bat logo tattooed for free on my diaphragm. You know, the, 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 the yellow one. Interesting. Uh, I almost did it because we had a tattoo artist once, but we were, they ran out of time with doing some other stuff. And I was like, uh, also I almost got my nipple pierced. We had a nipple piercing show where nice. girls were getting all kinds of things pierced on the air. Oh, the Make radio, radio, oh, yeah. radio back in the nineties <laughs> before the, yeah. But it, when it was the dawn of video and websites and stuff. Sure. So there were stuff, there were at least pictures to see at the time. Um, and uh, I was going to get my left nipple pierced. And this one dude got all of his ribs done. He came in to get all of his ribs done by the guy that we had on. And afterwards I said to him, he had a bunch of other piercings. And I went, dude, um, that must've been pretty rough. He goes, nah, that was nothing, man. The, the nipple's the worst. I went, oh, hey, you know, forget the nipple thing. I'm not doing it today. I'm not doing it. It just turned out, I was, I was all set to do it just like Axel. Get that left nipple pierced. And I went, yeah, forget it. Cause then I, you know, worry about myself or somebody else ripping the fucking thing out. Actually, that gives me a good idea and I'll do it now and I'll make you laugh, I think. So I'm going to tweet at Axel right now. Axel. <laughs> hey, you up? <laughs> where wait, do, do you still have your nipple ring? <laughs> I'm just tweeting this to Axel Rose. Uh, wouldn't that be amazing if he uh, responded? If he responded with no, now it's just a stud. It's a bar yeah. stud. All right, he just to have, and he just responds back with a picture of his nip. Oh, that would that <laughs> would be something else, dude. That would be something else. <laughs> I, let's hope. Oh, but um, amazing. Anyway, uh, but that's so cool. we had that. Ronald, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I mean that's the cat. No, you keep going. 
If it, the Ron and Ron show was very similar to, but it was better. It was Howard Stern used to trash us because he'd say, you know, we were one of the ones that he said was ripping him off. But no, we're just doing it better. We're doing it better. We're actually hitting our breaks and only having four minutes of spots instead of doing 45 minutes and then packing 15 minutes of spots and having somebody just having, having to sit through 15 minutes of commercials the way you do it. No, we, we, and then you're boring. You're boring and you ask stupid, go, Howard is awful. He's terrible. Everybody knows it now. I mean, Jesus Christ, shakes hands and has Hillary Clinton on. Wait, that's the person, that's, that represents what you've always been against, man. He's, he's awful. But anyway, that's what I had to, I had to take a lot of that shit when I would answer, when, you know, because we had, there was three producers, three of us that were rotated doing different things. And so we would all take turns uh, answering phones or whatever. Every fucking day, man. If I answered the phone 50 times, 25 of those, 20 to 25 of those were boo boo booey and hangups. It was awful. But anyway, the guys, they kept putting it off and they're like with Gilby putting off the interview and they went, Bat, why don't you do it? Why don't you schedule it and you record it off air and then we'll play it back. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, but I'm not going to be a dick to Gilby. They'll, They'll have their fun, you know, making fun of me because it's my first interview and I'm sure I'm going to sound like a dweeb. Um, and that's what happened. Huh. And But Gilby, Gilby was great. He was super nice. Of course, he always is. I've never seen him. I've never heard any stories and I've never seen him be a dick to anybody on video and any, right. any even with the dumbest questions that I've heard him being asked, which I probably did in 97. Um, super nice. And I just but but then I remember I remember when I hung up, but I was like, ah, oh, man. I could have asked this. Right. He would have been cool with this. He would have been cool with this. That's, oh, I should have. I should have. And then I went, nah, it, that's not what it's for, really. It's for tomorrow when the guys play it back and they're just going to spend, you know, at least a segment just making fun of me and there's going to be all kinds of laughs over that. But it still got the Gilby stuff out and I'm sure it helped sell a few of a uh, few copies of The Hangover. Is that online? Your interview? Do you the still hangover? have that? No, no. Do you, you're... Uh, do you, I mean, I that interview. I, yeah, the interview. Oh no, no, no! I didn't think so. in '97. I you never know. I have some. I still have some dad tapes of the Ron Ron show, but I don't have a dad player to play them back in. Okay, well, get stuff. I mean, if you ever wanted to, you know, they make conversions. But yeah, I, I, I mean, it's so long ago, and that was a funny thing when you inboxed me saying that was your first interview in '97, and then my first radio interview was ten years later, uh, with with Bumblefoot. Bumblefoot, yeah, and, that's right. And now I, I was know, like, "Whoa, see, this yeah, where, yeah, see." And I wish the I Manson had thing, oh. and then the interview thing, and I was like, "Oh, we have to bullshit. We have to hang out." I know. No, no, I'm glad that we were able to uh, to schedule this. Because um, and then a cool yeah. thing. Oh, go ahead. No, come on, your, your show. Well, one of the when I left California, my my daughter still lives in California with her mom, and uh, when I left, I got rid of a lot of my stuff, a lot of my books, but I gave her Slash's book. She was a big one of her favorite Velvet Revolver song is uh, "Get Out the Door." Mm. I love that. Her favorite, one of her favorite Guns N' Roses songs is "Better." Coming back to what you talked about before, interesting. Um, and I gave her um, uh, Slash's book and Duff's book, and she went to uh, not long after that. She they took a trip, and she was in Spain, so she she could do a lot of reading, a whole stuff. Anyway, she sends me a, a, a snippet, she, a, a screenshot of one of the pages and it had to do with uh, what was the band that slash was before guns and roses. He played with this guy who had many guitarists. There was a whole bunch of guitarists that he played with and he usually wanted like a Ingve Malmsteen kind of guy, which is why slash didn't work with it. But he had a whole bunch of different guitarists, Saint something or 
You're not talking about before, the you're not talking about that blues ball thing. Slash's blues ball. No, not Slash's blues ball. This is uh, before Snake. It's got to be like. Oh, this is before Guns and Roses. Oh, before Guns and. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I can't think of his name. Anyway, there's a part in the book where Slash talks about working with that guy for a little while, but because he wasn't Ingve Malmsteen type like this guy wanted, uh, it didn't really work out or whatever. But he mentioned a couple of the other guitarists that had played with this guy. And my daughter took a picture of that on the page and she goes, I know this, this one guitarist. I can't remember his name, John think something, I think. Anyway, my daughter used to work at a, at a hotel in, uh, in LA and in, in toward near the beach. And, uh, I think it, Hermo- uh, uh, not, maybe right around Venice. I think it was near Hermosa, Manhattan beach. I think it might've been Manhattan beach. Anyway, that guy, she knew him cause he used to play in the little, in the little bar thing. Cause she was a hostess. And this guy playing, she's like, so for her, it was really cool. It was a cool little thing, father and daughter thing where, you know, I, she was, she grew up on Guns N' Roses with me and Green Day, she, Green Day, she always talks about being her roots. Guns N' Roses and, and Green Day are her roots. Th- that was, to, wow. That's funny. Cause that was my first favorite band was Green Day. You know, Green Day was the, 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 they were the first songs that I carted up in radio school in 94 hmm. when I wanted to be a rock job. Um, but, um. So yeah, that was a really cool little moment where uh, she was like, "I know this guy. He used to play in the in the bar. Uh, well, he would he played in the bar that she used to work at and whatever." So I was like, "Oh, see, it all everything's connected, sweetie. Somehow, there's all these little funny connections." That's what I try to do here on this podcast. All to the six degrees of GNR Bacon, just connecting all these different people with great stories. It, it really is. Uh, is there any other? Any other stories? Because, I mean, uh, not radio, because, again, we can be here, you know, forever. <laughs> Any other GNR stories we want to make sure we get out of here before uh, we let you go? I mean, you can obviously come back. You're great. You know, if you want, you, I can see you co-hosting a future, future episode. So I'm sure this won't be the last time we hear of you. Well, the, the only thing, one of the, the, one of the more interesting things for me, uh, because I've become a fan, not a fan, but... Uh, uh, See, when you, you know, you know the, how many stories that are out there, how many things that you've learned, they were taught to you, these official stories of things. And then you've come to learn thanks to information, thanks to the Internet and just people that have been doing homework for a lot of years. Like, oh, wait, that's all bullshit. JFK. OK. You know, you know, just all these things that were that turned out to be bogus or, or bad guys that weren't really bad guys or, you know, these things that were that were made up by the you know media stuff like you were talking about. Uh, people taking stuff of yours from little interviews and then twisting the words and then people sure. get mad at you for like, that's not what was going on. They, these other people do that kind of stuff. Right? I can only imagine well, what's been done and like, yeah, history books and, and, and more important things than this podcast. I mean, it's right. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest ones is Manson. Yeah, that's right. And, it, and I remember back when, when, you know, when, when what's, what video is it? It's estranged where Axel's wearing the Manson shirt, you know, and then they did uh, uh, look at your game girl. Uh, which is a really cool version. Have you ever heard the original? Have you ever heard the actual Manson Look at Your Game Girl? I probably, I think I did once. Look it up. Okay. That, look up any Manson. Just took in Manson, Charles Manson music or whatever on YouTube. There's a ton of it out there. Yeah. And let's, it, 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 that stuff was great. See, so the point being that we've been told most people, because of Bugliosi was a, a scumbag, most of that helter skelter thing is bogus. And what I'm getting at is, now we can really, really see if really see how bogus it was, especially with a new book that came out a couple of years ago from Tom O'Neill called Chaos. I agree with Tom with his stuff about 
blowing up Helter Skelter and that that's not really what it was. It was a drug burn. It was about drugs. It was about pornography. But he turn puts this CIA LSD thing into it, which that's to me, that's crap. But the best part is he destroys bugs. He destroys Bugliosi and showing what a piece of shit that guy really was. The lies, all the stuff, uh, a lot of stuff. Nicholas Shrek is actually better at it. Uh, goes even deeper detail because he actually did stuff with Charlie, uh, interviewed him a lot, was a very good friend of his, did uh, Charles Manson Superstar, his first documentary. Anyway, back in those days, back in the early 90s, when we didn't have the internet, we didn't have access to all this information, a lot of people are like, what is, why, what, what's this thing that, that, uh, that Axel is doing? What is it, what's the Manson thing? Mm-hmm. And it, so then later on, when I came across Nicholas Schreck, and him talking about Helter Skelter being bogus, and, it, and why does nobody talk about Tex? Tex Watson killed everybody, but everybody looks at Manson as the devil. Charles Manson didn't tell Tex to do what he did. He said, keep me the fuck out of it. Nobody knows that Tex Watson was a big time drug dealer. Linda Kasabian was a drug dealer. They used to burn people all the time. All this stuff. Jay Sebring, they, oh, he was just the hairdresser to the stars. No, they called him the candy man. He was one of the biggest cocaine connections. Why check Fikowski, the guy who, the other guy who died in the, in, at, the, at Cielo Drive? Big time scumbag, raped a dude at a party, raped uh, uh, somebody at a party, which is part of what the revenge was for. Literally drugged this guy in, in front of a bunch of people, this one drug dealer who he was mad at, and raped him in front of a whole bunch of people. That's, this guy was a scumbag. This was Abigail Folger's boyfriend and also a friend of Polanski's. Abigail Folger, Folger Corporation, huge fan. You don't ever hear anything because what they did was the families, they did this whole thing to push all the all the way so the Folger company didn't be, you know, so it wasn't all this big thing. They covered up a lot of stuff. And Manson took the, he was just a, he was just a dude who, who took, who was a patsy, basically a patsy, never killed anybody, shot somebody, thought he killed him, but you know, lots of Papa didn't die, which is where most of this started. But getting back to, uh, and he wasn't a shitty musician. He was a fantastic musician. People used to, he used to blow people away with the way he played his guitar. He didn't go running to the Beach Boys. Dennis Wilson was like, dude, I found something here. And he had this spear. He talked about spiritual stuff, which Dennis Wilson was trying to get into. They did the Maharishi thing, like with the Beatles. You know, they, they were looking for a spiritual thing because they knew everything, this business bullshit, it was just so much crap. And Charlie didn't want to be part of that. He was like, no, I just do my thing. And that's one of the reasons why they, they had a little trouble with producing his music was he didn't like all that production stuff. He just liked the live thing. So they had, so he wasn't used to the studio sort of stuff. But otherwise, Melcher and them, everybody, Neil Young said he was going to be one of the biggest things. Uh, speaking of Neil Young, now he's gone into being a weirdo. Um, all these musicians, you can find all these musicians, like, this guy is fucking awesome. This guy's great. And his voice... Well, point being coming back to the Axel thing and the Guns N' Roses, like, oh, with Axel's money at the time and, and other people around, he somehow got the knowledge of what I'm talking about with, when it comes to the Manson stuff. And so he understood that, and I think that he was, it was a reflection. Because Charlie, would all, Charlie always talks about reflecting. It's a reflection. Everything's a reflection. It's, it's a spiritual thing. Like, for instance, we're not, we, we're, we're, we think at all times that, this, the, that we're, I'm here looking out at you when in actuality and spiritual, if you, if you do the whole thing, clear your mind, you realize, wait, no, it's like the, everything's backwards in your eye. 
you know, the retina, whatever the hell sure. they think is where it's actually backwards. It's the same kind of thing mentally. Everything is you. You're always looking in the mirror. Everything is one. It's a it's a spiritual thing. And so that reflection thing in, in uh and I'm you know, and, and I think Axel understood that with how much stuff had been twisted that he had said and lies about him, you know, which is why we have an album called Lies. All that crap. It was Manson esque. Where they were just, oh, these guys are so, and yeah, they did some shit. Yeah, they did, they, they, you know, heroin and coke and parties and a lot of that stuff. They did, you know, they had a good time. Who wasn't at the time, for fuck's sake? Like, who wasn't? <laughs> Manson. But anyway, he wasn't. I think that's yeah. one of the things it came from. And uh, so they get in trouble for, they, they, he didn't say it. I don't know exactly, you know, I would love to be able to just have this conversation with Axel. So of what course. was that about? Why did you do that? And I think. I'm not that I'm right, but I think I'm, I'm certainly on a, the right uh, a path of thinking of because what was Axel doing? What was one of the things that made things a little weird? He was trying to find this spiritual thing. He had the, you know, he had that person, that lady you know, that's in the don't cry video who was actually his doctor. Oh, yeah, his therapist. And then he had the therapist. Uh, yeah, Sharon he had Maynard. all that stuff. Yeah. No, I, and I, I asked. And Doug, Manson was severely abused. Manson was a severely was abused Axel. person. Sure. Uh, I, and I asked Doug, we did an episode about talking about the spaghetti incident. And obviously he's not going to know everything despite being the manager for 17 years. He's not Axel himself. But, right. you know, Axel, you know, just like what's going along with the lies and, and people saying things about him that aren't true. He's like, everyone thinks I'm this crazy guy. You know, then I'm just going to show it. I'm crazy like Charles Manson. Let him believe whatever the fuck they want the, uh, to believe. And, uh like what Doug always says is that Axel just never really defended himself and just kind of just let his art, his art speak for himself. And that was frustrating as a management perspective being like, can you just say that you don't support, <laughs> you know, Charles Manson like that? And so it's going to be, um, so yeah, no, it is interesting. And yeah, you, if, if, if Axel ever t- talks Manson, it, it seems to be, you, you're the expert. <laughs> it seems like, <laughs> so what is your, before we get out of here, I mean, promote your podcast. Is it about Charles Manson? What do you talk about? No, no, my, my podcast isn't, isn't about Charles Manson. Uh, I mentioned, you know, I mentioned, you know, I tell people to go check out Nicholas Shrek stuff. Uh, and he's got a new book called the Manson file. Uh, the last one, the last one he put out in was 2011, but there's a bunch of, a bunch of, been a bunch of uh, new stuff that he found out from Charlie before he died. So, so he's, he's, he's putting out it. It's, it's, it was supposed to come out a while back, but uh, COVID uh, put a damper on the publishing because he's in Germany and he's, it's a European thing. And so they had to shut stuff down. But Shrek, Nicholas Shrek is, uh, is uh, a great go-to to uh, find out more truth about uh about charles and um but my podcast no i, I mention it here and there i mentioned you know certain things so uh, what's you know, it about when, when somebody says manson murders correct them say it's the watson murders yeah. watson and kinsabian nobody knows you know <laughs> it's so stupid it's so stupid but it's but the the story just keeps going and going and going um there's so many people connected charlie had sex with peter falk Charlie had sex with Robert Conrad from the Wild Wild West and and uh, Baba Black Sheep. They paid him. They they say P- uh, Charlie was a pimp. He was a pimp, but he was also a whore. He was also and he said he said that he said that to Nicholas Shrek a bunch of times. You know, I wasn't just a pimp. I was also a whore on Universal Lot. Yeah, through Cary Grant, through one of Cary Grant's lovers. Jeez. He parked in Cary Grant's space because Cary wasn't there. He was in Europe or whatever. And this. And it, as Charles talks about it, so this homosexual comes out 
And he tells, starts talking to me, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of get to talking or whatever. And then he lets me know that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he was, it's, it's way more connected. So a lot of that was what was covered up. Peter so Falk then, was at the trial. Then what's he your actually, podcast about then? <laughs> if, you, if, oh. <laughs> if you don't, you, you know so much oh, about uh, Charles Manson. So what's your podcast about? Because there's other people like the Paul cast. I've been on the Paul cast with those guys. I, those guys do a really good job. It's three people uh, that are just getting in, that been into it for about a year. And they talk about stuff a few weeks and they just talk and they don't bash anything. It's really cool. Check out the Paul cast. It's small, but hopefully they get bigger. Um, but anyway, um, my podcast is just stories. I just tell funny fucking stories. It's bowling stories when I was a bowler, uh, acting stories, but not stories like I got to work with this person and to do that. And it was so cool. One like that. I try to find funny things that happened. Like when I did Dawson's Creek uh, way back, I was on Dawson's Creek. I had a co-star spot on there and I had a couple of scenes with Michelle Williams. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but I don't talk about, I mean, yeah, I did that. But the two cool parts of that story was the guy that was cast with me uh, as my bre- as my buddy, what well, turns out he was also from Maine. I was in, lived in Nashville when I got it, and he was in Nor- he lived in Orlando. But I saw, uh, but then we started talking, you know, and when, when we before we started shooting, I'm like, so where are you? Scarborough, Maine. I'm like, holy shit! I used to play you guys, and you know, it was one of the schools that we would play there in, uh, in sports, and it's not far. Scarborough is like 25 miles from me. Anyway, so that was cool. And then I tell the story about how uh, I used to do this there was a break in shooting. We were just sitting there and there was a break and it was a whole bunch of extras. Cause it's, it was in a house where there was a party. So it was a lot of extras or whatever. And it was the four of us and they're changing up stuff with the camera, whatever. And it's all quiet. And I was a big Rodney Rude fan who was an Australian comedian. I went to Australia when I was young and uh, got turned on to this comedian. It's really funny guy, uh, really goofy shit. And he talked really funny. Um, but he tells this joke about how, uh, uh, my, my sister had this friend who had a baby. And when the baby was born, was born without any arms or legs or a body. It was just a head. But it was a good-looking head. And then it, it, there's more to it. I won't keep going. <laughs> the point was, uh, for two days of shooting, twice I tried it where it was all quiet. And Michelle's sitting right directly in front of me. And it's all quiet. And I just went, my sister had this friend who had a baby. And everybody, and I start telling the joke. Everybody's laughing. The director's laughing. The camera guy's the extras are laughing. And what the hell is this? And I'm just going off, you know, goof just for 30 seconds. Michelle Williams is just staring at me like I got six heads. So the next day, same kind of moment, nice and quiet. Nothing's happening. Nobody's need. It doesn't have to be totally quiet. You know, nobody's doing anything. And I just did. My sister had this friend who had a baby. Same exact thing happens. It was like deja vu. Everybody laughs. But Michelle's looking at me like you are looking at me right now. Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> So then uh, Busy Phillips invites me and Andrew for drinks the day that after the, the last day of shooting. She said, uh, we're going to be me and Michelle are, and my, our friends are going to be at this place. It's near you guys' hotel. If you guys want to come hang out. Sure, of course. So we go there having some drinks. Also, it's the same kind of thing where Michelle is directly sitting in front of me on a couch and I'm in a chair. Kind of like we're looking at each other now. Her boyfriend at the time was before Heath Ledger. Uh, some guy looked like he was trying to be Buddy Holly. Um, and Busy was there and a bunch of other friends. And I'm just mostly listening. I'm not really doing any talking because I'm just trying to soak it in. I don't want to fuck anything up. And uh, we're just sitting there and all of a sudden it gets quiet. And I went, my sister had this friend who had a baby. <laughs> Michelle starts laughing. She finally starts laughing. And she, she actually, her feet did a couple of these. And she goes, I had a feeling you were going to do it again. And those were besides our talk, besides uh, 
our dialogue that we had on the show uh, that we went over a few times, uh, we never really, you know, I just asked her, I remember once, just, uh, you know, if, am I doing anything? You know, you're the real pro here. You know, please let me know if I'm doing anything stupid. She was super sweet. No, you're fine. You're fine. And I'm just sitting, I just didn't want to fuck up. Uh, so I, if I look when I, I haven't looked at it in a long time, but when I used to look at it, I'd be like, ah, could have done a little more, but I was so afraid of overacting. I kind of underacted, you. you know. Did you but say the name anyway. of your, because you sent me a logo of what your podcast, it was like GNR inspired what it could uh, have been. What, like, what's the name of it? Like, where can we find it? Oh, that that's an old podcast I did, which it's not up on Apple anymore. Oh, okay. Stuff. <clears throat> but there are, I put a few of them up on, uh, on YouTube. You can find it, Nate the Bullet, but Bullet is spelled like, uh, the Steve McQueen movie, okay. L L I T T. Uh, but it, it, it's, uh, it, that was similar. I did some goofy stuff. I tried some funny things with that old podcast, but, uh, but I kept my new one, my newer one simpler, but it's just mainly stories, radio stories. What's it called? Bowling. But, uh, yeah, that, that first Nate, the bullet when I went, yeah, bullet guns and roses. And yeah, my, that, uh, I designed something that kind of looked like the, uh, you know, the, the back of the bullet in the blood splatter. Sure. What's this new one called, though? What's the your new podcast? My newest podcast is Waning Interest. Waning, waning Interest. Yeah, Waning with a Y. I like that. Playing off the name. Um, I like it. So I mean, yeah, it was, it was neat because uh, I had a couple of ideas that I written down. That was one of the first ones, and I sent it off to a friend of mine. I said, told my a friend of mine that I was going to be doing another podcast, and he fucking immediately replied, going, "You should call it Waning Interest." And I went. I took a picture and sent it to him and go, dude, look, it's at the top of the list. That's it. I, I'm not even going to think about it that's anymore. That's how you know. That's how you know. And that's why when Ian and I were trying to come up with a name for this podcast, I think it's, we knew it was going to be Appetite for something. And as soon as I said Distortion, we both like, yeah, that's it. It's a killer name, bro. Yeah. And again, it's funny that Gina Gershon said Appetite for Distraction, which maybe that could be, uh, this is called Fan Obsession, but maybe we can call this Appetite for Distraction because we kept getting distracted by, I'm getting distracted by emails, it's all these different things going on. Uh, but Wayne, this was a pleasure, man. In addition to just talking about Guns N' Roses, just a talk shop about radio and uh, it, it's just very cool. The, to get to meet you and again I really appreciate you reaching out I, I love it that that fans are a part of this podcast and it's why I, I continue to do it yeah I get to interview some amazing people like Gina but I get to talk to amazing people like Wayne and learn about your life which has obviously been fascinating uh, on top of the Guns N' Roses stuff so I'm sure we'll, we'll see you again um, you're the radio guy so if you want to help me be my booker you know what? Let's make a Cobra Kai episode happen, and you'll be my co-host. Let's. I'm going to put that on you. That would be really neat. That would be really cool for you to have Zabka, and I don't see why Zabka wouldn't do it. I don't see why he wouldn't do it. I don't, it's it's not even about like why he wouldn't do it. It's it was interesting to like hear Gina Gershon's response. Like when she saw the name, she was like excited. But there are some people like will see it and be like, "Is this just like an '80s rock podcast?" And they're only going to talk about Guns N' Roses. You know, I, and, and I guess if, you know, I'm here to talk about, you know, this different kind of project. That's why, you know, that Duff uh, interview was canceled on me at the time because they just saw that. And I wasn't going to talk tenderness or his new album. I was, I was going to ask a GNR question where you don't know me if you, that's what you think. But I have to keep an appetite for distortion because that's what separates me from every other, you know, everyone and their mother, everyone and Brando and Wayne have a podcast. So I got to do something a little different, and 
yeah, when you get those moments, like, Gina, I, I'm the one who had to bring it around to talk to, about our movie because she wanted to talk more about Guns Roses and Velvet Revolver. But it, it's, it's very cool because they're not used to those kind of questions. And I try to do the same thing when I have Gilby Clark on or people who are GNR related to ask them different questions because otherwise then I'm just like everybody else. And what's the point of doing this? I don't. Yeah. And, oh, you, re- and you really notice it like, uh, like Gina's doing a radio tour. I, 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 uh, I used to, when I was at Premier in uh, mid 2000s, I did a few radio, I engineered a few radio tours, like for uh, Crew Fest. I did one. I was in the, for two days, me and Tommy Lee and Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one after the other. I did one with David Crosby. Yeah. When, uh, uh, and he, oh, he pissed me off. But that was the thing. I had just read this book. I've heard that. Laurel Canyon. Yeah. And it trashed every, at the end of every third chapter, it seemed like it took a swipe at Crosby and when people, the way people would talk about him and what, how, what an asshole he was. And even Terry Melcher, back to Manson, the guy who was supposed to, Doris Day's son, who was supposed to produce Manson, even he said it. The two people that he, he that he was quoted as saying uh, that he didn't like in the music business, the Manson thing only, he said it just because of what had happened before, but his top one was Crosby. I was wearing a door shirt and we're doing this thing. But, but I'm meaning like I'm getting back, getting to what you were talking about with the radio tour where you have to go on and you one interview after the other. And yeah, it's the same. You're saying the same shit. You're getting the same questions asked and you really see it when you're behind the scenes going, yes. Ooh, yeah, I can see why they're getting a little irritated by this. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was wearing a door shirt and Morrison is my Morrison is my Manson. And uh, and during one of the breaks, David says to me, he goes, oh, door shirt's pretty cool. Uh, Morrison, man, he was an obnoxious drunk. This was 2007, I think. My tongue still fucking hurts from biting it. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say, oh, yeah, I'm sure you were real fun to be around while you were doing fucking speedballs, asshole. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) What are you saying? Don't talk shit about who's not an obnoxious drunk. I know. And you're, everybody is you dumbass. And you're obviously a fan, so like, why say something negative? And, and he did a. And radio- Morrison would fucking smoke you in any fucking subject. Morrison could smoke anybody. He was the guy was so fucking smart. David Crosby did a radio tour with us a few years ago. I w- I didn't work on it, but my uh, former coworker of mine did, and just he would bring it up all the time. He's like, when David Crosby like cursed and hung up on me, like he was such a jerk. So I mean, I've. I've heard that about him. <laughs> yeah, he treated a lot of those interviews. He treated those. He treated a lot of those jocks really shitty. He was really, really shitty. Yeah, I'm like I can't believe I'm stuck in a room with this fucking guy. That I don't excuse because I mean, yeah, you'll be asked the same questions over and over again. But you got to be a professional. But at yes. the same time, I've also seen interviews where it, this is where I get hurt because it's just it's like this is where management gets uptight because they experience these interviews where the guest is just obnoxious. The, the interview is obnoxious. They want to talk about something that's not related to, you know, they want to talk about something that's not relevant to the conversation, you know, and they're here to promote something. And yeah, you don't want to, you know, be a, a, a pimp, you know, you don't want to be a whore to that, I guess, you know, for all, like all seven minutes, I wasn't going to talk to her about uh, the movie. I'm going to get in whatever part, parts that I want to get in. But like I, I guess read, I'll, I'll mention it now. Um, you know, I read an interview that uh, that Gina just did, where the first question was about Woody Allen, and I was not because it's a Woody Allen movie, and I wasn't going to bring that up. That's not the time or the place. And she said, "You know, I'm really sad that it's your first question," and I just think that kind of stuff happens more often than not, including in the Guns N' Roses world, the rock and roll world. You know, I'm appreciative of sites that 
do t- pick up my interviews, but they they'll make clickbait out of it, and it's you know it, it that's what made has made it challenging for me to get interviews. But at the same time, I can't complain too much because look what I've been able to do thus far. It's just you know it just made me it just makes me paranoid. Like I just put up a clip yesterday on on YouTube, uh, my second time interviewing Brain, where he's. It's like, has Melissa done this yet? Oh, she would be perfect. Yeah, I'm going to talk to her about doing this. And, you know, I even have a clip on YouTube where Frank's like, yeah, you know, you should do a whole drummers episode with me and Brain. And we can, I'm just like, these things should happen. But I, Steven would probably do it too. Yeah. I, he, he, I've gotten close. I think Steven, like maybe if he does shows here in New York, because the interviews, he's, interviews he has done are like to promote whatever show he's doing. This is something else that I have to deal with, which is, makes sense that you want to promote in certain markets. Yeah, I guess this what I'm doing is is global, but if you're if you're doing a show in Maine, you want everybody in Maine to hear it and everyone in Maine to come to that show. That's why you're doing it. So I, I there's a lot of factors to take into it, but this is why I, sometimes I need to explain it because some people ask, like, "Oh, why didn't you ask that question or you were too easy on Mick Wall and it's not the time. It's not the place. I don't want the reputation to be putting people into the hot seat, whether it's Mick Wall or not. Um, you know, I, I spoke to him just like I spoke to you beforehand about what's cool, what's not, what we're going to do. If they say something, you know, even I did the same thing with Frank Ferrer. I, I told him beforehand, can I ask you about, this is before Hard School came out. He said, can I ask you about it? He's like, yeah, you know, you can ask me. I may not, you know, I can, I'll give you, I know the right answer to give, whatever. But then I found out after that he, he was kind of, as with the whole band scolded for doing interviews, I don't want to say scolded. I don't know because I don't know the whole. I don't know how the text was. I was again told a a text was sent from Fernando to the quote unquote non famous members of GNR, the ones that are not on the T shirts, to not do any any more interviews unless approved by him, which makes sense. But I was specifically mentioned because I I don't know. I mean I I I, I people may see my kind of listeners being like. You should. My listeners, a lot of uh, like forum members, and ask all those hyper questions about, you know, what was Axel doing? You know, this recorded this. Per- I'm just not that. I'm not going to deliver that because it's it makes somebody uncomfortable unless they want to talk about it. Again, that's unless they're totally cool with it, which I've. I, I think I did that with Dave Navarro at the beginning. Uh, here's another. I forget if I mentioned it at the very beginning, uh, when it was Billy Morrison just on the camera before we started recording and he's like appetite for distortion he's like is that a guns and roses podcast i was like yeah he's like so you know this is about you know we're doing a mental health thing you know and uh you know um events and i was like oh absolutely i'm like uh, if if guns and roses is my main theme mental health and addiction and talking about recovery is my second theme i talk about mine it's like oh it's that's great you know that's fine and I said, the only GNR thing, if it's okay with you and Dave, I will ask at the end what your connections are. You know, different, you know, I'll ask Dave about, oh my God. And I asked Dave that before we started recording, can I talk to you about, oh my God, after we talk about this event that you're doing? And he's like, yeah, no problem. So that's what I do. I just don't want to surprise people. Like, yeah, it's pre recorded, but still, it's just, life is full of stress. I, I'm yeah, not, there's so much other, so much, so many, so many other things that people are dealing with at every at every moment. We're not a capital. And, and I really like the thing about you checking Gina's other interviews and seeing that, doing that, doing your homework. That's I love that shit. I love hearing people going, yeah. So I'm going to do this. So look up some things and what have they already said? Stay away from the normal shit. Try to make it a little more fun or whatever. Immediately you find something. Oh, yeah, there's 
Don't don't mention that. <laughs> I wasn't going to anyway. I mean, especially with it being seven minutes. I mean, maybe down the road I would have been like, you know, because it's a hot button issue and it's not like, I don't know, Woody Allen. I can be inspired by his comedy, which I've been uh, as a person. It's just, you know, I, I wasn't there. I don't I don't know these things. I just like it's a whole other, you know, that's why I don't really get into that part of the conversations with these uh, rock and rollers, the drug, sex and rock and roll, because I wasn't there. And it's like, I don't know. If you want to tell me a story, sure. But am I going to give you an opinion on something that... I can only give you an opinion on something that I've experienced. You know, I feel. Or tell you, you know. Other than that, I'm being, I'm being preachy uh, from a soapbox I shouldn't be standing on, I guess. Uh, mm. I, whatever. We, I know what you're talking about, bro. Good. Well, that's what Just I mean. keep, Yeah, keeping it cool. Just keep it cool. Not that... Because there, there was a... You know, because like in the 90s with all those talk shows and... And Howard Stern and that kind of stuff, there was this antagonistic, that's what people wanted. But now, no. look, it, it seems like a lot of us, uh, the time, it's turned, like, into the, like, speaking of, like Joe Rogan, being more like Joe Rogan and just talking to people, not being, you know, not doing that antagonistic, trying to do that stuff, because a lot of people still try to do that. And you can see that most of them are, it's, it's so unprofessional now, when it used to be a thing, to, the thing to do, be like Geraldo, yeah. or, uh, and just be like, Speaking of Geraldo, I mean, just—I met him watching, man, <laughs> watching that old interview with him and Manson, and you can see Manson's trying to tell him. He asks a question, Manson tries to tell him, but he doesn't want to listen. He just wants to keep poking the bear. You watch that, watch it, and you just be like, "What?" A, I mean, everybody knows he's a dick. Geraldo is a dick, but I mean, it really shows it how what a dick he was. And then you go back when you're the, thinking back, being my age. People my age thinking back going, and we used to like that. We used to, oh, got to watch Geraldo. It's yeah, we used it was to like cool. it. And then you go back yeah. going, oh, yeah, that wasn't cool, was it? Right, no. yeah. Yeah, and you look back on a lot of these, you know, Barbara Walters, Diane Sawyer interviews. And, Awful. Uh, and I'll just say, again, I just go from experience. Like I tell people, like, Mick Wall was nice to me, so I'm going to be nice to him. I met Geraldo. He took a picture with me. He was nice to me. I'm nice to him. I, you know, everything else, I'm just, I don't care. I got people, <laughs> that's how it comes down to. I don't care. If he's really like, like that much of a dick outside of my interaction, it doesn't affect my life. Like, he's not killing people. Like, uh, if Manson, I guess if Manson. No, we don't know. Right. We don't know, I guess. That's 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 the case. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> uh, so, Wayne, this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, we spoke, you know. Including the part we didn't record nearly two hours. <laughs> so I guess it's... Has it been that long? I haven't even looked at the clock. Time oh, go, shit. Time goes by. So again, yeah, I appreciate everybody. This was a special feature. Uh, and most people listen on the podcast version anyway. I'm trying to gear people more towards YouTube now that I'm making some, you know, some change from that. Although... Oh, oh, oh right, right. Yeah. Well, same, mine's the same kind of way. Mine's my podcast. Waning interest is... Spotify, Apple, all a cool. bunch of other places, Stitcher, but I put them on YouTube, but I don't usually punch, push the YouTube because mine's audio only. But uh, yeah, you can find it on YouTube also. The ones that didn't go on that aren't Patreon only. Sure. Okay. So, but even like if I don't There's do, a lot. like uh, Gina was able to see me, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see her. And if it was video, I, I mean, I'm still going to put it on YouTube. Especially oh, she didn't turn her camera on? As, which is fine, but I'm going to put pictures up there. And what I'm going to do is put pictures of her uh, playing, which I'm able to get off Getty Images uh, through iHeart, uh, playing with Slash and, and, and Dave Navarro. And I'll probably put some clips up on, you know, when she was playing with the video that she hasn't seen. 
uh, with her playing with Velvet Revolver before they became Velvet Revolver. Oh, um, where it's so where she's it's the set where her it's all overmodulated. Yeah, it's fun to watch. It's fun. It's fun to watch. And man, watching Gina Gershon do anything is fun. That, that's what I mean. I saw. I, I mean, I you didn't hear that part of the interview, but I when I had to like. It, it was rushed. It was not like this part where we can take our time. There's no time limit. I don't want to fuck over the but next yeah, interview. Or seven so minutes. I got seven minutes. So when she <laughs> she sees like, she, uh, you know, I'm talking to her about cats and I was like, you know, hey, I, I which I love. I'm like, hey, you know, anybody would give seven minutes with Gina Gershon, but that's all I got. So I got to get to other, you know, I gotta, let's talk about your movie, <laughs> things like that. If I if I was able to talk to her, I'd, I'd ask her about uh, when she was on the Larry Sanders show. Mm-hmm. Remember Gary Shandling? Sure. She did that episode with uh, with uh, Jeff Goldblum and the three of them and the whole jealousy thing. It was so good. So many things. And I, I just threw in there, I'm like her work on Kirby Enthusiasm and... Uh, and face off. I mean, she's brilliant in so many different things. So, uh, hopefully, I get to talk to her for a, a longer period of, of time. But yeah, so more, most people do listen though on the audio side. But I've been pumping the, the podcast side. Uh, that's especially when you, I do do uh, Zoom interviews. Like um, I haven't announced it yet. Uh, I announced it on social media, but I haven't announced it on the podcast yet. So the next episode after this one is going to be with Daryl McDaniel's of Run DMC. Ah, so that's going to be, yeah, so that's going to be, I think that's going to be Zoom. So you'll be able to watch that on Facebook, but I mean, excuse me, on, on YouTube, but you'll be able to listen in your normal, you know, podcast uh, places. But yeah, I just figured this would be a nice little bonus for um, those who do or the, the loyal listeners on the, the true radio side, the podcast side of it, especially since the Gina Gershon interview was so short, give you a nice full episode of Appetite for Distortion. So that does it for this episode of Appetite. When will you see the next one? Well, I'm telling you who some upcoming guests are. Uh, I already told you about, uh, what was my list here? Sean Bevan coming up who worked on Chinese Democracy. I'm getting a lot. I'll do my best to ask all your questions. Uh, I told you uh, DMC's coming up. Cliff Compton, former Deuce, uh, or Domino rather. It was Deuce and Domino at the WWE. But, I mean, it's the fact that he has that Cliffy Don't Surf shirt. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's, it's a, brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. And I want him to fill in the story. Like when I had CM Punk on for a radio tour, he told the story about seeing Guns N' Roses with Cliff Compton uh, got tickets to Bumblefoot, and this was in Chicago. And he's like, Axel was late. No, like, I'm freaking out, but nobody else is freaking out. They're used to it. Then, like, Axel comes off like a helicopter and just walks in, just walks right on stage. And it was like, it was the most rock star thing ever. So, I want to get more of that story from Cliff. And, of course, well, him dressing like Axel. That's part of his, his wrestling gear now, which is just so too cool. He's uh, got to add that t shirt that Axel had the uh, don't mess with the popo on the back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, may, may, don't mess with the popo. Maybe he's got a, he's got a lot of merch. He's got a lot of merch. So when are you going to see these episodes? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word. All right. Recording stopped. <laughs>